Hi, and welcome to Matt Holman Talks Mental Health, the podcast where I have the opportunity to meet and catch up with amazing human beings to talk about their journey with mental health. Today, I'm so happy to welcome Alex to this conversation. Welcome, Alex. Thanks. Hi, Matt. Hi there. Um, so as I always do, I'm just going to introduce Alex as I know her or as I've been introduced to her. And uh, then, Alex, I'll ask you to give a proper introduction as to who you are and what you do, if that's OK. So Alex and I have connected through social media, as I do with many people. And Alex and I connect on LinkedIn, just loving what she's doing, the work she's doing, especially now in the mental health space, which is something, of course, that I'm passionate about. And as you're going to see, Alex is a very driven young lady who is very passionate about this subject. She's really trying to make a difference. And I love that to pieces. So Alex, you can do the proper introduction, but pleasure to meet you. Pleasure to see you on this conversation. Thanks. Um, hi everyone. I'm Alex. Uh, I'm also known as Authentic Alex. It's the kind of hashtag that I blog under on LinkedIn. Um, I have for the past five years been uh, blogging about mental health on LinkedIn, uh, back when it probably wasn't as cool <laughs> uh, to write about it. Uh, and there were very few voices around. Um, it started off when I was in the corporate world um, and now I run my own business. So uh, I primarily really um, help people find purpose or sense of purpose, um, tell their story and grow their presence on LinkedIn. And it's what I've been doing for the past almost four years uh, since I left my corporate job. Wow, amazing. So we're going to delve into a lot of that. We're going to go through some of those conversations, of course. Um, so the big question we always ask, and, and please do bring into this your career as well, because I know you've had some changes mm -hmm. and transitions within there as well your life journey with mental health what's happened tell us as much of the story as you want to yeah sure um i would say that it um i guess my journey feels like it starts in my childhood mm -hmm. um when i was about 11 or 12 um i transferred from uh i think it, yeah primary school to secondary school so in the uk obviously you either have a school that has both uh, in mine i just had primary school so i had to find a new secondary school and um it happened to be that uh something that happens every year in england and it gets publicized for two three days and then it disappears is that there's always too many kids for the amount of school places and I was one of those kids that slipped through the net and didn't get a school place and so my mum at the time had sent me to uh, France to stay with some family friends where I uh, decided to do like a summer camp um, and spent some time with uh, you know for three months learning French and doing all these kind of fun sporty things and when she came to pick me up, she said to me, um, you know, I'm afraid we didn't get you a secondary school. And I was, you know, 10 and 11, like, what do you really say to that? Uh, and the woman that was looking after me said, well, you know, why don't you consider um, enrolling her in the school where she did the summer camp? Um, and my mum thought, well, you know, that's an option. So we went to the school. And uh, at this time, I spoke not one word of French. And the, the head teacher said, you know, it's not we're not a big fan of the idea because she doesn't speak French and you know she would need to in order to understand what's going on in, in the classroom at this point it would to it was to go into year seven um and she said you know if in three months she doesn't speak French then I'll pull her out but at least uh you know give her a chance and they did so all of a sudden I was uh enrolled into a French school at 11 uh wow. not speaking a word of French and um I, uh, unfortunately, my mum was finding it really hard to uh, live with me. So I ended up staying with this family for a, well, I, and for 
the first few months um, because they didn't plan to kind of uh, look after me that long. So I think that was sort of, I guess, the first, uh, now that I'm saying it out loud, was the first sort of, I guess, kind of trauma in a way, um, yeah. because I sort of just got dropped in this country with people I didn't really know that well, yep. Um, yep. speaking a language that I didn't, uh, feeling probably quite abandoned by the fact that my mother's just left me. Um, and, and, you know, my brother wasn't there. And uh, I sort of just got on with it. Uh, within three months, I somehow uh, sponged and picked up French and I was speaking fluent French. Um, and I then got told that I couldn't stay with the family I was in. So I then got passed on to another family, which was terrible. And then I got passed on to a third one, which was living with the receptionist of the school. Um, and so for a year, I kind of, yeah, vagabonded a bit through different French families, uh, learned French. And I would say it was probably one of the best and worst years of my life because, um, you know, it made me hugely independent. It made mm. me grow. I think I kind of gained five years in age <laughs> like I was 15 mentally uh, from that experience um, and I don't think I've ever lost that kind of gap mental gap um, and then I came back to London and this is where things kind of go a little bit downhill um, okay. is that I then uh, my mum found me a place in a school it was in a very rough neighborhood of London uh, but it was a school so you know it was better than being staying in Paris um, separated from my family and um, I joined the school and it, it, very quickly I stood out for the wrong reasons. Um, you know, I was very hardworking. I was very kind of gave it my all. Um, I stood out as a teacher's pet that did me no favors. I was an introvert. So I found it really hard to kind of approach people to kind of create friendships and whatnot. And uh, I got bullied like really, really, really badly um, to the point that my life was frequently in danger. Uh, I almost got beat up once, I almost got stabbed once. So <laughs> it was a very traumatic, uh, you know, return home. Um, I eventually, um, well, the school wasn't, you know, they were, <clears throat> they weren't quite sure if it was me or if it was them. Yeah. Um, and I then got put like, a, they called it a shadow. So someone that followed me everywhere to see what was going on. And, um, I once almost got beat and the, the person that was shadowing me was like, you have to pull her out, like for her own safety. <coughs> Pardon. Um, and at that point I had huge amount, like this was when I started having suicidal ideation because I just could not hack it. Um, I was constantly crying, constantly hiding in loos, uh, constantly like, uh, in teacher's rooms to kind of, you know, protect myself and just this fear, constant living in fear and panic and dread that something would happen to me. Um, my, at the time I was journaling and this was interesting because this then ties, yeah. <laughs> you know, into to what I do now, but writing kind of saved my life in a way. Um, because actually I was writing a lot of my suicidal th thoughts in a, in a diary and my mum found it, uh, obviously panicked and sent me to the doctors and he then, you know, asked her to leave and said, you know, what's going on. Um, I then sort of kind of told him everything because I was I was constantly sick, yeah. uh, physically sick because of all the stress. Um, and then he was like, yeah, you've got to pull her out. And this was at a period where, you know, as luck would have it, the law came into place that if your kids weren't in school, your parents could be taken to court and end up in jail. So I got pulled out and then we got letters saying, if your daughter's not back in school, 
we're taking you to court and you may end up in jail. <laughs> so it's sort of like my mum goes to jail or I go to my jail, you know, what's the better option? So it was all a very, yeah, very traumatic experience that uh, stayed with me for a very long time. Um, I think, you know, I, as an adult, I hid a lot of what made me me because that made me suffer a lot when I was younger. Yeah. And it took a very long time to be able to heal that and to show up as myself. And that's a big reason why authenticity is such a big thing for me it's because I had to, you know, hide a lot of, of that for my own protection. And um, that was sort of the, I guess, the first big experience. Um, it then happened, uh, I guess, like the next kind of big thing was being in the corporate world and yeah. having everything sort of crash and burn. <laughs> um, Welcome. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and a very familiar, you know, I've obviously listened to your story, Matt, but a very familiar story. Yeah. So, you know, I came from quite humble beginnings and um, had this huge idea that when I'm uh, 30, I'm going to work in the city, have nice designer clothes, lots of money in the bank and whatnot. And I got that by 24. I was uh, offered the position of head of training and development for a foreign exchange firm. And I was in the leadership position by the time um, I was 24. And I thought, okay, this is what I've been working for, for like most of my early, uh, you know, uh, 18 to, to 20 something. And I got it and it just didn't feel right. You know, it felt unsettling. It felt like something was missing. And so I kind of went on this quest of like, if this isn't the life I want, what is? Um, and realizing that actually a lot of this was not my dream. It was, uh, you know, a dream instilled of me uh, through my family and my culture. Um, and so I ended up kind of having, I mean, to put it blankly, like a breakdown, a quarter life crisis, yeah. an existential crisis. Um, and I was just getting constantly burnt out at work, uh, just deeply unsatisfied with the life that I had. Um, I'd gone through like quite a lot of like a period of heavy, heavy drinking and partying uh, the, the sort of years before that as well, numbing the pain of yeah. you know being not happy with the life I had and obviously not dealing and healing you know a lot of the childhood stuff um and then I um yeah I went through the pestering of a, a colleague who kept on saying you should go to therapy or you should try therapy because he could see the turmoil that I was dealing with um I eventually went um after three months of gentle nudging <laughs> um, and that was I would say the beginning of the end of me uh, kind of getting through that you know years and years of things that had built up and I hadn't dealt with you know I'm I'm half Colombian and I was raised in a culture that doesn't really believe in depression and mental health and stuff like that so the idea of going to therapy or even seeking help or even acknowledging that that's a thing yeah. was a really big hurdle and obstacle for me to kind of overcome um, and so I just thought, you know, a really kind of key moment in my mental health, health journey, I remember was um, I, I was in obviously kind of in a human resources type role and um, people management, which is the HR management magazine in the UK had done a, like a campaign on HR professionals um, that were basically sharing their story about different mental health challenges. And at the time I was in such a bad place, but it gave me so much hope and inspiration that one day, you know, I'll be on the other side and one day I might even share my story. And, you know, a year later, I would say, um, 
I ended up starting to want to share my story and being inspired by those, uh, you know, those people's whose stories I read. Colin Minto was one of them that was in the magazine. Um, Josh Quigley was doing a lot of uh, content on LinkedIn around his mental health journey. And I thought, you know, I want to also do this because those, in a way, those stories saved me as well. You know, they gave me that hope and light at the end of the tunnel. And um, yeah, in, I would say, 20, less than that, 2016, I started writing about um, kind of more mental health content on LinkedIn, um, having written previously about, you know, graduates and, and student and professional development. And um, people started resonating with what I was saying, and it was really kind of hitting home. Um, I, after a while, decided to quit uh, my job. I wrote a post on LinkedIn uh, that talked about, you know, being a little girl and dreaming of working in the really tall building with a pointy top by the river and having reached the 45th floor, realized that my definition of success was wrong. It was based on money, power and status. But what we never talk about are things like uh, that come with it that are like depression, stress, anxiety, but sometimes it takes getting to where you want to be to realize it's not where you're meant to be. And that post went viral and it was really, that was on the day I left my job. Um, and it was really kind of what, I guess, opened up a new chapter for me, uh, whereby I just thought, you know, I need to continue speaking about this because people are interested. But I realized a lot of people weren't willing to be the first to talk about it. Um, and I thought if I have the courage and bravery to go first, maybe that might start conversations that really need to be happening in the city around the realities of, uh, you know, life in the city and having a career in the in the corporate world. And um, yeah, I got named LinkedIn top voice for the UK, uh, the year that I left my corporate job and the year after, um, around the content that I'd been creating around mental health and my own journey. And it just spurred me on to continue wanting to do that. Um, and then, you know, life happens, another trauma arrives. Uh, and so 2019, I had a miscarriage. Uh, which my, was my first uh, experience of being pregnant and having a miscarriage. And that was very, very traumatizing. And I decided to document uh, kind of the process. Uh, and what I mean by that is, and I rarely do this. I've almost never done this. I always process my trauma and then I write uh, or create content. Whereas in this case, I felt really compelled to create content in the moment. And so I videoed myself on my birthday which was just maybe two three months after I miscarried uh, or less than that two months before I miscarried uh, after and I talked about what the experience was like and how I felt very lonely because it was such a stigma I had no idea because I've never experienced it how stigmatized an issue it was and I thought you know if I'm experiencing this so many people and women in the city and in corporate jobs must experience this. And I had the luxury of working for myself and saying, you know, I'm gonna take two months off and not, you know, and recover physically and emotionally. Um, and so I talked about it and it was one of my most viewed videos, 150,000 people watched it. Um, and I thought, okay, you know, these are the conversations we need to be having. Um, and then I decided to go to therapy again uh, for the third time in December of 2019. And I started a newsletter called From Trauma to Triumph with the wild idea, as I usually have, uh, to document what I was learning in therapy and kind of getting, you know, letting people in yeah. and, you know, be a fly on the wall and see what what's talked about, what's learned uh, and whatnot. And I did it not for any other reason than just being, you know, it being a cathartic process uh, for me. 
And, uh, you know, a year on, there's almost 26,000 subscribers. And um, it's something that I'm deeply passionate about and something that I really want to continue pouring uh, my energy into. That's a much longer <laughs> version of my story that I was planning to say. Oh, I, oh my God, it's amazing. Authentically, Alex, thank you for being authentic. Um, it's incredible. It really is. And, and you know, I, I feel so proud of you in that journey of where you've been and what you've been through. And 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 the fact that you're so open and honest about it is such a refreshing thing, of course. And that's what, you know, for me, this podcast is all about the opportunity just to, you know, for lots of people who might not know you, and I'm sure lots of people will know you that will listen to this already. It's that insight into the world of the other person. It's recognizing that there's been some experiences in their lives that have driven them or has been one of the reasons why they're passionate about certain things. And I love that. And I think your your journey is just fascinating. And it's not not a finished blog yet right it's a, it's a blog in progress that's continuing no constantly <laughs> it's, it's continuing. never a finished or yeah. a finished life <laughs> yeah. oh my gosh yeah and I just find it really fascinating and you know everything you said totally resonates with the city city experience the the role the the, the idea of this big tower and the thoughts of you know climbing that cloud and there's so many people I'm sure listening to this who who are living that experience right now just wondering is it all worth it and why am I doing it <laughs> And I think yeah. it's just asking people to really think about what's important. I think, I don't know about you, but this current pandemic has created some some realizations of what's important to, to people. I mean, definitely, you know, we've, I, it's such a crap situation, but there's a part of me that's so grateful for it yeah. because I feel like people are being forced to sit with their thoughts. And, you know, obviously that can also be dangerous. However, it can also be an opportunity, you know, for people to reflect on their lives and their careers and go, is this really, you know, what I want to be doing with my life? Uh, you know, even me, like I've, you, I've concentrated on, you know, where do I want to spend my time in my business? And uh, that made me relocate to Berlin. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I think that if we take the opportunity and 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 see it as an opportunity and, and change that perspective of you know a bad situation we can find some good in it and I mean this is a knack that I have <laughs> where uh you know a lot of shit has happened in my life to be frank and I found a way to kind of spin it in a way um that makes me really kind of realize that these these opportunities of kind of shitness <laughs> can be turned into gold in a way yeah, and you know, that ability, I, I find it fascinating, the ability to spin something bad into a positive, you know, and I talk a lot about positive mindset and having the ability to sort of reframe things and sort of like the CBT model in many ways of sort of looking at the world. And, you know, I still struggle, I still have my problems, but I also look at them and go, well, thank God that happened. When I lost my job in 2016, I it was the, the worst, best thing that ever happened to me, you know, and, and I can reflect yeah. on that. I think it's such a critical point of everything we're doing is, you know, we only get bombarded with negative news. Isn't it nice when we get something that's positive, even when it's a bad situation, but positive information and stories around that. So keep telling the stories. Oh, FaceTime. That's all right. No, no, nothing happened for anybody that's listening. Everything's fine. We're all under control. The beauty of not editing these things. Um, it's amazing. So, so let's talk about your, you know, your ability to stay well and mentally positive about stuff. So mm -hmm. how do you take care of yourself, Alex. What do you do? What's your, yeah. Reason? So, I mean, I think for me, if it's not an apparent theme, <laughs> um, I use writing a lot. Yep. I, for me, writing has been such a healing, um, way to 
yeah, to just heal and to give myself the space to, you know, think and experience and uh, put words to how I'm experiencing life and what I'm feeling and um, just a way to kind of let go as well. Um, I always describe sharing things publicly as a way of letting go of the stories that, you know, I no longer want to carry in a way. Uh, you know, I'm conscious that they make me part of who I am, but um, I'm also conscious that it's stuff that I don't want to be hauling with me. If not, that's a it's a pretty heavy luggage. Um, and yeah, I would say um, I've really recently, and this is more lockdown related, gotten into ecstatic dance, uh, which is a type of conscious dancing where you kind of just put, um, I would guess, I would say probably um, not very kind of pop music, but <laughs> okay. more uh, sort of uh, tribal, I would say, or spiritual type music. And you kind of just go with the flow. And I found that really um, like a very healing and uh, yeah, just um, I like dancing anyway, but this type of dancing, I went to a workshop just before lockdown um, and really enjoyed it and sort of practice it at home now. So I think dancing for me has worked. I wouldn't say that that's probably for everyone. <laughs> but, Why not try it, um, right? We're all looking for yeah, the Yeah, exactly. Right? I think that for me, you know, I've realized that some mornings I wake up and I feel a little bit off or, you know, I've had a rough night's sleep and I find it's a really good way to kind of shake off the energy of whatever I'm feeling. Um, I would also say I, I kind of meditate um, a little bit as well. Um, I wouldn't say loads and I wouldn't say I'm religious with it. Uh, but when I do work with uh, kind of group workshops and stuff like that, we always start that way. Um, so that always, um, I think for me, grounds me and, and helps me. So those three, I'd say are kind of the main things in my current life. Brilliant. Well, you know, and, and keep doing them. I'm liking this idea of ecstatic dancing. I, I'd have to be really careful with my very dodgy knee, but um, I, I guess I could do it on one leg, right? I, I don't yeah. know. There's, there's probably, probably no rules to it. Um, amazing. So, you know, the other thing that you said, you 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 up to move during a pandemic, right? Which a yeah. lot of people will think, oh my gosh, that's so either brave. Crazy. A lot of people thought what, that. Yes. What, what did people think when you did it? What did they say? Uh, they were like, "You're nuts." <laughs> um yeah a lot of brave a lot of courageous um a lot of crazy um it's funny i i realized something around the period that i chose to move um actually i realized it a little bit before and i realized this in therapy um is that um i'm so i kind of explained a little bit about my childhood where i i moved to france um yeah. my mum had the habit of sending me abroad um in summers so i spent a lot of time in italy in colombia where my mother's from um and so i moved a lot when i was younger and yeah. i spent a lot of time with people that weren't my family uh so either family or family friends so change for me and uncertainty um is my norm um for me being static or routine is my uh like discomfort <laughs> uh, yeah okay um so and for not like for i'm gonna say for normal people <laughs> for people generally yeah. what is normal? um yeah who is normal uh for people generally um it's the opposite you know uh change and uncertainty is very discomforting uh yeah. and routine and static and stability is comforting uh i my brain operates in the opposite way <laughs> so the idea of moving countries in the midst of a pandemic was literally a breeze like it didn't panic me whatsoever um whereas i can see why it would to the majority of people but i you know for me airports 
uh, are kind of my second home. Uh, living abroad is something that I'm very accustomed to. Sure. Uh, you know, living in a country I don't speak the language is something I've done before. <laughs> so, it, yeah, it wasn't. Um, you know, I can I can see how it was perceived, uh, and I got a lot of messages like that. But no, yeah. it was um, luckily it went really smoothly. And amazing, and and I love the fact that you said I don't speak the language. You know. Yeah. And, and... <laughs> So are you learning rapid German? Are you sort of trying no, to No, uh, everyone yourself? here speaks English. Yeah, I came good. with the intention of learning German and now I'm kind of like, I don't know if there's a point. Everyone so, is speaking to me in German. So it's sort of, yeah, I don't know. We'll see. So how long are you staying in Germany? What, what's your plan? Is there, is there a longer term plan with this? Stay for uh, That's a good question. Hop, a skip, hop, <laughs> hop to another city? So, um, my, yeah, so I... I in May, the end of my uh, flat contract finishes. So depending obviously on what's going on with COVID, um, there is a high likelihood that I will be going on to an next city. Wow, there you go, love it. Work from any country, it's great. Yeah. It's great, the freedom and spirit. Exactly. That. That's incredible. So, so, you know, so, so that brings us to your plans for the future. You know, talk to us about what you wanna do with Authentic Alex and your podcast. I think you're gonna launch a podcast at some point around your trauma to triumph. I am, you wanna, yeah. You wanna do more with the newsletter. Of course, you've got some great subscribers already to that. And for anybody that wants to follow you, you know, and what you're doing your work. So what's your plan? Um, <clears throat> so for me, a, a lot of uh, what I'm really interested in spending time at the moment is to take people on the same journey that I've been on in terms of writing. Um, so part of those kind of experiences or writing journeys will be to heal um, and other parts of the writing journeys will be to help you grow your presence um, on LinkedIn. Um, and I'm just really interested in helping people share their hero's journey. Um, it's something that I've realized, you know, for me for the past five years is literally what I've been doing on LinkedIn. Yeah. Um, and it's how I've marketed myself. Uh, and grown my audience and I think you know we have we all have very interesting and powerful stories and and you know this more than anything with the amount of uh, you know guests that you've spoken to Matt um, but I think very often we hide them and we don't share them and uh, one of my favorite quotes recently by Maya Angelou is the um, and I'm totally going to forget it now that I've said it is around the you know the pain of uh, bearing an untold story right. and I think a lot of people sit uncomfortably with these stories that they really wish that one day they could say or uh you know the the discomfort of not being able to find their voice or to be able to show up authentically um and i'm really kind of in a place where i really want to start helping people do that <laughs> and my doorbell rings more, more things <laughs> Everything's going on happening. oh my gosh yeah, yeah, yeah. move to yeah. Berlin, they said it'll be easy they said um yeah it, it, incredible you know and, and actually what's interesting is that you know thinking about what you just said you know giving people a platform to tell their story is such a critical part because often, you know, and I, I know from some of the work that I do in the volunteering side and everything else that people don't tell their stories. And the first time they might say it is in private or confidence to one person. Mm -hmm. And it's such a shame that we don't have just that feeling that says, okay. And, and I'm going to sort of wrap and ask you just to close in a second, if that's all right, Alex, because I know conscious of time and you so that bloke, whoever's at the door is probably, you know, I don't, yep. <laughs> wondering where you're going to go. Keep pressing the bell. But but I do, you know, huge thank you to you for, for agreeing to come on this with me. I, I genuinely love everybody that, that agrees to come on to this this podcast or this this session with me because I love listening to stories. I really do. And I, I find your story absolutely compelling, fascinating, inspiring, insightful and all these wonderful superlatives. I do want to just share with the community that are listening for those that are that your title on LinkedIn says queen of vulnerability which i absolutely adore 
gentle warrior, kindred content spirit, wisdom whisperer. Those are the words yeah. I sort of picked out. <laughs> I think that's just incredible. They've so, been given to me. <laughs> you know what? Yeah. You. They're, they're perfect for you. And and for, for anybody that is listening that wants to follow it, please do let them know where they can find that. But do you want to say a few words to close out? Yeah, I mean, you know, if I had to leave with one parting message is, you know, if you haven't shared your story, share your story and um, do it authentically, you know, be yourself. Someone out there is waiting to hear that story. So we will see many more authentic names coming out there, right? So authentic Alex is already taken for anybody that is interested. Uh, <laughs> if they're called Alex, you'll have to find your your longer version of the name. Um, seriously, thank you so much for this. Thanks I really for having do. me do appreciate it. Um, as I always say at the end of these sessions, if anybody is struggling, does need extra help or support, please do know there is always somebody there to talk to. In the UK, we have Samaritans, the numbers 116123. Please know that somebody's always available if you do want to share maybe some of your story with somebody in confidence. You don't want to share it publicly at the moment. Of course, Alex and I, we both want to encourage people to share their stories. Please do know that there are spaces you can do this. By the way, you can contact me. You can become a guest on this podcast if you're really that excited about it and you want to do it. I get lots of people that request to come on, which is fantastic. And I just can't wait to do more. And Alex does a lot of work around this subject, of course, as well. And the doorbell's ringing again. So I think on that, we're we go. probably yeah. going to close this call and say thank yeah. you so much. And thank I hope you. everybody's enjoyed Lovely this. Lovely speaking to you, Matt. You take care. Bye. Bye-bye.